Grab your Bibles or devices and turn to Isaiah chapter 9 and we'll be in verse 6. Uh, it's a little bit different from what we've been doing in the Jesus series. We're going to be in the Old Testament. And so go ahead, grab your Bibles. If you open up to the dead center, you will be more likely in the book of Psalms. Flip to the right, and then you will come to Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and then finally the book of Isaiah. Turn to the big number nine, and then scroll down to verse six. And that is where we will be in the Word this morning as we study God's Word together. So as you are turning there and find Isaiah 9, 6, uh, I just want to say I love this time of year. Christmas season is my favorite time of year, uh, not because of the cold. I don't like the cold, but I love just the atmosphere and the joyful time that, that we all get to experience together. I have very fond memories of a childhood of being able to play with my family and my friends during this time. Of course, the kids love getting out for a two-week break in the middle of the year. But I love all the foods. I'm convinced that this time of year has the best foods year round. Um, I love the, just the, all the decorations and the bright colors of lights and garland and, and candy canes and all that goes along with that. I love being able to go shopping for my loved ones. And even the best part is watching them rip the paper open and to just see that joy and the awe on their face as they see the gift for the first time. I love to be able to sing out Christmas songs. I'm convinced everyone can sing Christmas songs well. Maybe not everyone, but at least they pretend like they can sing them well. And so it's just a joyful time of year. But this year seems a little bit different, doesn't it? This year doesn't seem as joyful as years past. And, and I believe it's a result of all the hardships and the, the difficulties that we have faced as personally and as a country. So we, we've all experienced the shutdowns and quarantines and face masks. We've gone through all the political ads and the hate speeches and all the election. We've all had close friends and families and probably coworkers who lost their minds on social medias over political debates uh, that seem to go nowhere. And it might even even happen during your Thanksgiving meal. COVID-19 is getting more closer and closer to home. It's been eight months that we've been experiencing COVID as a country. And as a church family, we've had over 30 people test positive for COVID. And just recently, three staff members have been, are on the road of recovery from COVID. And yes, they are recovering. They're all recovering fine. And they are looking forward to worshiping with us in the coming weeks. Uh, so continue to pray for their recovery. But it's getting hard, right? There has been a hard, difficult time. None of us would have ever desired or hoped for to experience a year like this. And it's during this time that it's very easy to become discouraged. It's very easy to, to have our eyes fixed on all the hardships and the difficulties, the division that is taking place around us. It's easy to become maybe a little depressed, even worried about what the future may hold for us, um, for our families and for our country. And we maybe experience a little bit of lack of joy and a lack of hope. But as followers of Christ, I want to encourage you this morning that we have the greatest hope that anyone can possibly experience. See, our church mission statement is this, leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. See, as followers of Christ, we've experienced this life-changing hope that is found only in Jesus. 
And so I want us today to be reminded of the truths of the gospel. I want us to be reminded of God's word for us. And so as we look at this Old Testament passage that is a prophetic word for the coming Messiah, I want us to be encouraged that we can have hope, not just during this Christmas season, that we can choose to have joy year round, no matter what our circumstances are, because we have our eyes fixed on Jesus. So grab your Bibles and read with me Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, for the first time in the prophetic literature, we learn of the promised Savior. And we found out that it's not just going to be a mere man. It's not going to be a man who comes and assumes the throne of David and kicks out Rome and sets up an earthly kingdom. No, it is going to be God himself who's going to take care of business. He's going to come down from his throne and fix what is wrong. And he's going to crush the head of the enemy and he is going to bless all families of the earth and so as christmas as we celebrate the birth of jesus a child is born to us a son is given jesus is a divine gift of grace to us and we're reminded of this encouraged about this in philippians 2 verses 6 through 9 Jesus, who though was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. See, Jesus left his heavenly throne to come be born as a man, to be born as a baby, as a child. And this great act of humility is one of the greatest gifts that we could experience of grace. See, it is a gift that he came and he gave his life for us and became obedient to die on a cross. And so if you don't understand what I'm talking about, let me clarify it in this way. All humanity, you and me, are sick with, are sick with the exact same thing, and it's called sin. And the bad thing about this sickness is that there, there's no cure that we can do on our own. There's nothing that we can do to resolve this on our own. And it's not something that we actually caught, but it's something that we were born with. You see, we all are prone to lie. We're all prone to be selfish. We're all prone to want things that aren't ours. And if you doubt that, just go ask a parent of a toddler and they'll tell you, yes, I didn't teach my child to lie. They figured it out on their own. And that's because of sin. And as I mentioned, there isn't anything that we can do to cure this on our own strength, on our own merit. And unfortunately, the Bible is very clear that the consequence and the punishment for this sin in our lives is death. Eternity separated away from God. But the good news is, as we just read in Philippians, that Jesus 
came down out of God's love for us, sent his son to live the perfect life, completely sin. See, Jesus wasn't like you or me where he did sinful things. No, he lived the perfect life. And then he went to the cross on his own. No one forced him there. He willingly went to the cross to take on all the sin of the world on his shoulders and to die on that cross, taking the punishment for our sins. So that when you give your life to Jesus, when you look to him and you admit your sin, you confess your need for a savior and you ask him to be the Lord of your life, that is when our sins are no longer seen by God, but he sees the sacrifice of Jesus and we are restored back into a rightful relationship with God. That is the good news. That is the essence of the hope that we get to experience as followers of Christ. And if you want to know more about this or you have questions, I'm going to ask you to do this. Grab your cell phone and text the word CHANGING to 94000. That's CHANGING to 94000. The information is on the screen. Don't hesitate. We are here. We want to answer questions for you and talk you through this and help you experience the life-changing hope of Jesus. And as for the followers of Christ who are watching, um, isn't it good to be reminded of God's sacrifice for us? Isn't it good to be reminded of the humility that we need to show our need for a Savior? See, be reminded of the fact that Jesus came being born as a child, but he didn't stay that child, but he became a man. And a man that is establishing a kingdom and is going to save us and rescue us as we give our lives to him. And Isaiah continues to remind us of this, of this heart as he says that the government shall be upon his shoulders. Now let's be clear about something. America didn't exist when Isaiah was writing this. And actually most governments of today weren't even formed yet. He weren't even thought of yet. And so what is he talking about here? What government is upon the shoulders of Jesus? That is all governments. That is all leadership. That is all authority here on earth rests on the shoulders of Christ. See, our confidence does not need to be in who is leading our country because we know who has placed them in that leadership. It doesn't matter if your political candidate won or lost. Jesus still is reigning on a throne. He is still ruling over the government and nothing has happened without his blessing and his permission. So no matter who is in political government leadership, Jesus rules over them. And so let me be very clear about this. The president, governor, senator, or any political leader for that matter is not your savior. They are not going to save you. They are not going to resolve and fix all these, the brokenness of this world. Jesus is the one and only savior. And he has and is continuing to fix the brokenness that we experience through of sin. Jesus is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is the one that we are to trust into and fix our eyes onto. Not leadership within our country, not leadership without any other place, but we are to fix our eyes on Jesus and look towards His leadership, towards His comfort. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. And so as Jesus is our Savior, He's also called three, four names in this passage. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
And so where Jesus is seen and called our wonderful counselor, what does that mean? It means that he gives us the wisdom and discernment that we need. Then when we are facing the difficulties and the hardships of everything that's taking place around us, when we recognize the brokenness of this world, he is the one who gives us the wisdom. You see, the advice and wisdom that we need doesn't come from the latest self-help book, any morning show, talk shows, uh, Fox News or CNN. No, wisdom comes from God. And we receive this wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit when we go to God in prayer and the reading of His Word. And so are you needing wisdom during this time? Are you needing to make some decisions and you wanting some discernment? Are you wanting to realign your heart back towards God? Are you needing a counselor, not just a good counselor, but a wonderful counselor? Go to God in prayer. Go to God and read his word, read his love story for us and be encouraged and be empowered and convicted of what he is calling us to do and to serve and realign our hearts back towards him. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. But Jesus also is a mighty God. See, this is where the first time in Scripture that we are told that it wasn't just a man, but it is actually God himself who's coming. And he is, not, he is a mighty God that is coming. And so this is where I believe that most of us fail and fall short the most. See, this is where we fail to acknowledge God's strength and his power. You see, all the brokenness and sickness and the worldly desires around us and honestly in you and in me is a result of sin. And it's not difficult to recognize that. Unless, it's not difficult for us to recognize the brokenness that we experience in ourselves. We just may just need to have an honest conversation of what's going on in our lives. But if we go back to the very beginning, if we go back to Genesis chapter 3, we read of the fall of man. We read where Adam and Eve thought they would be better gods than God and that they can run things better than him, he could. And despite all his goodness and his grace and his love for them, they preferred to be their own masters. And that is when sin entered into the world. And so when God shows up and, and the man and woman are hiding themselves, God begins to pronounce judgment first on the serpent, on, on the devil, on Satan, the embodiment of evil itself. And he says this, Genesis 3, verse 15. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And we see this fulfilled through Jesus. Because let's be clear, a bruised head is much worse than a bruised heel. See, the devil's schemes and, and sin is only for a small, short, limited time. But the ruling leader, the one who's going to be victorious in this is Jesus. He is the one who was born of woman, becoming being fully man and fully God, who, will, who conquered sin and death on the cross and resurrection. And he, at the end times, will crush the head of the serpent. He will put an end to all this. As followers of Jesus, we serve a mighty God. We have a great and glorious God, and we are on the winning team. So why wouldn't we look towards Him? Why do we continue to struggle to look within ourselves and try to fix things on our own? 
why don't we go and humble ourselves and go to Jesus and recognize that He is a mighty God, that we are broken and we are in need of a Savior, not just for our salvation, but for every daily minute of our lives. We need Jesus, and we need to fix our eyes on Him and not on ourselves looking for help. But the Scripture also tells us here that Jesus is our everlasting Father. See, the Father's role is to be the protector of His children. He's the one who's to, to guide and to protect and to keep harm from His kids. And sometimes our view of God as our Father is marred by um, the shortcomings of our earthly fathers. I have a good friend who's actually rejected Christianity simply based on the way that his earthly father treated him. He wants nothing to do with the Heavenly Father. But our shortcomings of our fathers, no matter how great of dads we may have had, they were still found short in comparison to God. See, God is our everlasting Father, and He is there to guide and to protect us, and He will never let us down. And we are encouraged by this in the book of John, chapter 10, starting in verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is the greatest than or greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. See, Jesus is speaking here and is saying, once you have a relationship with Jesus, once you become a follower of Christ, you are in the hands of God. And there is no one or nothing that you and I can do to ever get us out of that hand. God is protecting us. He is our everlasting Father. And He has such a tight grip on us. And He wants us to go to Him and keep our eyes fixed on Him to be reminded of the fact that He is our Father. Jesus is our everlasting Father. And the final name that Isaiah gives us for Jesus in this passage is that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. When you experience the unrest of the hardships that we deal with just in life, even beyond what we've experienced here in 2020, when you experience anxiety and worry of the unknown of what's going around us, remember that Jesus is the ultimate source of peace. He says, take my yoke upon yourself. Come to me who are weary and I will give you rest. Allow Jesus to give you a peace that is beyond all understanding. Recognize that Jesus is our peace during this time of year, and not just this time of year, but all times of our lives. So be encouraged, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is giving, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Fix your eyes on Jesus this season, and every season of your life. Will you pray with me? Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the fact that we have a Lord and a Savior. Father, that we have a, a God who cares about us and desires to be involved in our lives. Father, that you desire to, to comfort us. Father, desire to protect us. Father, desire to counsel us. Lord, desires to 
Give us a peace that we need when we experience unrest. Father, help us to turn away from our own selves, Lord, and, and not look to ourselves for answers or even look to those in authority, leadership, in our lives for answers, Father, but allow us to turn to you for answers. Father, allow us to turn to you for the comfort of our lives. God, we thank you for the gift that you have given us through Jesus. Father, allow us to fix our eyes on you and experience the life-changing hope of your salvation. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.